What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Actors with Issues, the weekly podcast where we interview the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway and give you an inside look at the entertainment industry from the ground level. I'm your host, Juan Ayala, and today I am joined by a wonderfully talented group of LGBTQ plus actors for our very latest roundtable episode, this time in celebration of Pride Month. Please welcome Christopher Henry Young from the national tour of Hamilton, Stacey Raymond from NBC's Hello. New Amsterdam, actor and producer Marissa Gavami, and actor choreographer AJ Blankenship. Hi, everyone. Hello. I just wanted to uh, thank you all so much for for being here. I'm really excited to uh, have another round table episode. We had uh, in May. We had one in celebration of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and um, of course, couldn't pass up the chance to do one for Pride. Uh, so thank you all for for being here. And um, I just wanted to start off with the question of uh, what does Pride mean to you? And uh, we'll start with Marissa. Pride to me is really the opposite of shame. It's the opposite of hiding. It's the opposite of feeling not good enough. And it's claiming my right to exist as I am, to be seen as I am, and to uh, not have to be in fear of how that's going to, to be received. And uh, Stacey? Ditto to everything Marissa just said. Um, as Yes, of course, as well as the uh, the fact that it's also a protest in a lot of ways. And, you know, we have to remember it started as a riot and um, it's obviously transformed in a lot of ways, but that's the root of it. And that's something to, that I try to keep in mind as well. I think it's tricky to find a balance between the two. Um, and I know there's a lot of advocacy for that. Um, but over the years, it's, you know, people, every year people talk about rainbow capitalism, everyone, Every company's changed their logo to be a rainbow, but you know, we've got board members and executives at these companies that sell that support certain politicians or are supporting certain bills and things like that. So it feels so much like an empty gesture. But thankfully, so many folks in the community still are doing their best to remember the origins of pride and to um, make it just as much. Uh, a stand for all of our rights in addition to a celebration of our existence. Um, AJ, what about you? Um, <clears throat> pride to me is community. It's, it is like the, it's the first, for me, like the first sense of togetherness and the first time that I felt like I wasn't alone in my experience. Um, I'm from like the middle of nowhere, Ohio. So when I, found out that pride was a thing, I like immediately jumped to it. And I like, as a 16 year old, like went by myself to just like explore and be like, oh my gosh, like there's literally thousands of people here that are like me and have, I just, I really thought I was alone. So pride is always this like, um, like a regenerative like boost of community and family that I carry with me for the rest of the year, you know, it just, it makes me feel um, connected for sure. And Christopher, what does pride mean to you? Yeah, uh, pride to me is many things. <laughs> uh, ditto to everything that everyone said so far, but I think pride to me is an opportunity to, to live out loud, wholly as as whatever I am, and um, 
and choose that consistently. Uh, pride to me is a reminder of the shoulders I stand on. Pride to me is complex. Um, <laughs> pride to me is a reminder of how far we still have to go. Uh, pride to me is a, a chance to make good on the promises that I made to my younger self when I came out to be the best version of me. Um, mm. Pride is like Christmas uh, in that we are reminded to be a better version of ourselves for a little bit of time. And there's complexities in that too, because in a month, some of us go back to other versions of ourselves. So I, I don't like to pretend that pride is all happy and rainbows. Pride comes with a lot of challenges as well, but that's the beauty, beautiful complexity of who we are as humans, right? It's it's a yes and to everything. It's two truths are, this, um, are real at one time. And I think pride this year uh, is scary. <laughs> pride, uh, not just the physical manifestation of being back out in public again, but also um, going through a year of self-reflection that was sort of forced on us all in different ways and trying to grapple with the learned behaviors of pre-pandemic and figuring out how to hold on to the parts that we've cultivated over the past year. And I think that's all present for pride for me. So uh, is there any particular performance that comes to mind as, as the first time that you saw yourself represented? Um, and I do ask these questions ahead of time and I saw everyone's responses and I'm really interested to, 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 get, a, to get a sense of what you all want, like to share. But um, I'd like to start with Stacey, this one. It's, it's interesting because I have not yet seen a performance that I've been like, the, finally, there is like the totality of how I feel being represented, which maybe literally isn't possible. You know, there have been bits and pieces and in certain um, films and TV shows and books and um, that I relate to, but nothing that's like, wow, they literally took my story and put it, you know, on the page. Um, you know, I think of like uh, the movie Orlando with Tilda Swinton and the character keeps being reborn as different genders. And, you know, that's sort of, I remember resonating with me and thinking, whoa, like I want to do something like that. I thought that was super cool. Um, but in terms of like a specific, finally I'm seeing myself, I've yet to see it. And uh, AJ? Um, yeah, I'm pondering of things that I've seen that, make me feel like I've seen myself up there. The, I mean, <laughs> that question just makes me, reminds me of all of like my own personal experiences performing myself at Pride things or just like queer um, events of any kind. Like I just immediately jump to that. And I think of, you know, those only being the spaces and places that have made me feel, I think, yeah. <laughs> represent him honey when I'm representing myself um yeah like I just think of all the times that I've like performed to the number Vogue in like so many different arenas and like you know uh or like it's writing men like I literally have performed those <laughs> different spaces and places like so many times um so I immediately jump to those memories um versus looking at what other people have done whatever I've seen you know what I mean you know, Christopher, what about you? Uh, similarly to Stacey, no. And, and I, I've pondered on this question a lot over my career in general. The, 
the intersections of my two of uh, two parts of my identity only just have started getting more flushed out representation. Uh, I'm a black gay male man, and so black people are only just starting to get representations that don't lean into the stereotypes of someone's idea of what blackness is, and then. LGBTQ plus representation is only just getting to the place to where people are getting to play more diverse versions of our umbrella of people. And so there is a reason why that exists. And then if I were to like step out and go, well, I see myself in the character of Ted Lasso, uh, if any of you have seen that, but he's like a straight white guy. The essence of that character mm -hmm. is what I identify with, this eternal optimist who like will push through always. That That's something I like to see in myself. I certainly don't see the straight white guy in myself, but that's what I wind up having to do, attach myself. I have to think critically about these characters in order to see myself in them, um, where some people are gifted with just myriad characters that, that they identify with, not just physically, but in their essence and in their personality. So I look forward to being able to see myself, uh, versions of myself, parts of myself in uh, represented in performance, but no, it hasn't really happened yet. And Marissa, what about you? Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember um, via email you were saying, you know, the first time you saw yourself represented, right? So mm -hmm. this is kind of sad because this is the only thing I can really think of. Um, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and being a queer kid in Kentucky, um, you know, there just wasn't, I, there is a great theater scene. So I did have some queer folks in my life, but really what I'm thinking of is Will and Grace, which I do not see myself in this performance, but Karen Walker, her character was bisexual. And I have not seen the new reboot, but I've heard that that has been erased, which is really problematic. And of course, the show has a lot of problematic stuff with representation in general. Um, so which makes it kind of sad that this is the example. But at about 12 years old, that was the first time that in film, TV or theater that I had seen a character, a lead character um, be bisexual. And so at the time that really meant a lot to me. Um, regardless of the problematic stuff surrounding it, um, I was thrilled. And then the actress playing Karen, Meg Mullally, came out as bisexual in The Advocate. And I plastered that magazine all over <laughs> my bedroom door. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just the idea of, oh, this is possible. This is a thing. This can happen. You can be bi and you can be out and you can be the lead in a hit TV show. And so um, same with what Stacy said, though, um, I haven't seen, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned more about my identity and, and not just sexuality, but gender as well, and explore that more, you know, in recent years. And I didn't have the vocabulary that kids now have, right? So I remember saying to my mom at 10, I could be a boy, but I could be a girl also, and not, not having, you know, vocabulary around that really, right? And um, for being, you know, on the non-binary spectrum. And so, no, I, I have not seen to this day really great representation that makes me go, oh, that that makes me feel seen and heard and valid. And, and that's my life. And I'm seeing someone who exists in the world as I do or as I would like to. And yet I still remember that Will and Grace episode when Karen was first identified as bi. And, and I felt at least somewhat represented in a way that helped me kind of keep going. The uh, the way that bisexual characters are either erased completely or complete opposite of that somewhat 
hypersexualized in television oh, yeah. and other media is so infuriating. Oh, yeah. The whole hypersexualization of it is like they want every man and every woman that come to come across. They want everybody. They can't keep their hands off of anyone. And it's like, but the, no, because I'm I'm bi and uh, because I have a boyfriend, everyone assumes that I'm gay. And I'm like, but there's other there's right. so many. There's lots of letters in LGBTQ and there's a plus. There's right, even more. Right. But of course, there's always assumptions made um, from whenever uh, people meet you or or anything like that, and it's um, sure. you know, even be- recent. And I and yeah. I have a male partner, so folks assume that I'm straight often, but I'm yeah. pretty loudly bi. So hopefully, I, you know, I I change those assumptions. But um, yeah, even recently, you know, we were watching I forget what show it was, but I've seen a few shows where oh, there's a bisexual character, great. Oh no, they're being used as a plot device around someone's, you know, around cheating. They're being used as a plot device right. around, you know, whatever. And it's that's very upsetting. I yeah. mean, that's. Have you all seen The Good no, Place? No, but I have been told I need to. So the lead, the lead character of The Good Place, Eleanor, is actively bisexual for the entirety of the show, and it is only brought up in her speaking about her attractions to all the people she's attracted to it's never really a plot point and i mm-hmm. found that really interesting i would I, I and i don't know too many bisexual people close enough mm-hmm. to have that conversation but i would love if, if ever yeah. you all check that out i would love to know what you think of that sure. representation because she actively is loud about the people she's attracted to and why and where it comes from and yet it's never i'm the bisexual mm-hmm. character which is an interesting thing that we yeah. don't get too often yeah thanks for that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Also wanted to touch on um, if anyone has a favorite film or TV show or a book um, that is centered on a character that is LGBTQ plus, uh, and we'll start with AJ. For this oh my one. gosh, the book Dancer from the Dance is about um, just like he's or this one gay man. I can't even remember his name. Um, starts with an M, and he is new in New York City, and it's just about his like exploration of his sexuality and being in the queer community and the gay community. And I think the early seventies and navigating that plus like, just like sex and sexuality versus love and how he's always like being pulled into the dance. He can't get out of the dance Um, and it eventually kills them. Um, And so it's just so crazy that book. I just feel like I see, I mean, I know every character in that book personally, and I have seen so many of my friends be all those different characters in that book. And it's crazy to, to, to be a witness to the fact that like, I feel like we're still doing the same exact thing um, that a lot of gay men were doing in the, you know, early mid seventies, the same going to these parties and treating each other like this and talking about each other like that. It's just like, um, I mean that, I read that book over and over and over and I, for some reason the character's name is slipping me, but Dancer from the Dance, you've got to read it. It's also similar to Larry Kramer's Faggot. 
um, a similar um, theme about how just being gay is a blessing and a curse uh, because we want so badly to be in love and we want so badly to, or maybe because we're, um, we feel like the heteronormative relationship is so instilled in us and that's what we want, but we're fighting, we're fighting it so hardly to love whoever we want and experience life and sexuality as much as we want. Yeah, that is a book that is uh, dear to my heart. And uh, Christopher, what about you? So I was originally going to say a book as well, but as I was sitting here listening to AJ kind of speak, I was like, oh, there's a movie that was one of the first movies centered around a gay character that I ever saw when I, after I came out and it's called Boy Culture. And I'd seen several like D-list D gay movies, like the kind of not another teen movie things at the time. <laughs> uh, but this one was the first and Boy Culture cent centers around this male escort who takes on a new client who slowly breaks down his walls by making their interactions not physically intimate until and the caveat is this new client says I won't let you take me until you desire me as much as I desire you and so their interactions are all these conversations that slowly break down this um guy's walls and but and that's not even the most interesting part to me that he lives in this law uh, this apartment with three other guys all of whom tell versions of the hurt people hurt people of it all that can sometimes be gay male culture. And you watch one character slowly become the very thing he fears accidentally as a result of being hurt by someone else mm -hmm. after like vowing to never be that thing. And it, and wh while it's like still super problematic cause like the only black character is like super fetishized. But uh, what, when I like at the time, part of what I found so interesting is that what I was struggling with was this whole idea of like, how do I get beyond the obvious baggage I was dealing with mm -hmm. to be loved? Like how I could barely, I used to tell people I had a different name after I came out. Like not, not because I was ashamed of my gayness, but because I was so afraid of people hurting me. So I like actively told people a different name just cause I was like, I can't do this. I've been hurt enough. And watching that was like a really interesting experience because you watch this other othered othered human being an escort kind of go through this journey of self-discovery while learning about him um learning about the person that's like sort of guiding him through this and falling in love with someone he didn't think it was possible and all this other stuff i thought it was a really cool movie um 2007 so like not great cinemagraphic uh, <laughs> uh, things going on there. It's like a super clunky looking movie, but I, I, every time I watch it now, I just get a little reminder of that, uh, of that experience. Stacey. Um, what comes to mind for me is probably the novel Tipping the Velvet by Sarah Waters. And um, it takes place in England in the 1890s. And the main character falls in love with a woman for the first time. And the woman is a male impersonator in the 1890s. And, um, she runs away from home. She starts living on her own and just kind of like comes into herself and then starts dealing with her own um, different ways of expressing gender and living, you know, presenting as a male for a while. And it's just sort of chock full of genderful and sexuality exploring and stuff. That's really cool. Um, so Marissa, the, the question was, um, what's your uh, favorite film, TV show, or book centered on a character who's LGBTQ plus? I think that I would have to say 
and I'll, I'll preface it with, you know, a caveat that I've heard a couple of times, which is really sad, but there are still problematic things um, because of the lack of intersectionality. But I would have to say Schitt's Creek because I, first of all, it's so joyful. I laugh my ass off mm. every time I watch it. And second of all, um, I love that, you know, Dan's character, David, is, is openly pansexual the whole family talks about it fairly often. It's mentioned quite casually, his exes of different genders. Um, he has encounters with folks of different genders on the show, and it's never really an issue. Homophobia doesn't really exist in Schitt's Creek. Queerphobia doesn't really exist. And um, it's never a plot device to my recollection in a problematic way. It's always just this is what it is. Everyone loves him because of it, slash in spite of it, slash it doesn't even really ever come up as an issue, as a barrier of love and acceptance. And I absolutely want to validate the stories that show a lot of the reality, the harsh reality of being queer in, in America and just queer in the world, right? Um, and the trauma of that. But I do think that there's something beautiful about painting a better picture, painting the picture that we want to see. and you know, urging us into this world of what it could be like. And I think that that's, that's really valid as well. And I think that that, um, it's something that I certainly welcome. And I love the scene where they, he identifies as pansexual for the first time. He's quite flamboyant. And so a lot of folks think that he's gay automatically when they see the show, they just think he's gay. And, mm -hmm. and that's Stevie, <clears throat> the woman that he uh, hooks up with in the show is, wondering, oh, gosh, I thought you were gay before this happened. And he explains it with labels and, and bottles of wine. They're in a wine shop. And she's like, you know, I used to drink, I drink red wine, but I only drink red wine. And, and until last night, I thought you only drank red wine. And he says, you know, oh, I understand. Yeah, I like white wine and red wine and rosé. And sometimes I like white wine that used to be red wine. And, you know, I like the wine and not the label. And I just think, I think now they have shirts that say I like the wine and not the label. And, and you know, folks wear them to pride even. So uh, that just, I loved that. I thought that was, that was lovely. And um, especially for someone who identifies as I do, that was just really nice to see. So that stands out. I love that. I haven't seen the show, sadly. I've, I've heard so much about oh, it. Oh, I think you'd love yeah, it. Yeah, I need to, I think we rarely have time to sit and watch anything new, sadly, but we'll make time. And uh, we're getting close to the end of our time. So I just wanted to, um, as one of our last questions, or what change do you want to see in the entertainment industry? And I love that we have such a mixed um, group of people, not just in television, not just in theater, but sort of everyone does a bit of everything. Um, so what changes are you hoping to see in favor of the LGBTQ plus community in the entertainment industry? Yeah, I, I mentioned this uh I, I talk about this a lot, but the, the gaslighting is truly exhausting. Um, the the being told in many different ways that well, queer narratives won't sell, and then when you decide they will sell, you cast a heterosexual person in them, or you change the narrative to be a white presenting human. Like it is exhausting, and I really need that to change because it's so damaging, and on top, and, and that's just on top of all the other things that are, um, I believe are more obvious for change, you know, allowing people to play roles where their identity is not a plot device. Um, I also talk about it a lot. 
I would like to see at least one movie where we mm. see it from the perspective of the perpetrator, not the victim. You know, I want I want someone to see the conversations that lead up to the experiences I have because they won't identify with my experience as the black gay man, the they that I'm referring to, the opposite they won't always identify with me, but maybe they'll see a little frightening moment if you hear the conversations that you all have out of context from the outside perspective. What would that do? I say it a lot as a black person when we refer to civil rights movies as well. Stop showing the movies of me, my ancestors getting beat over the head. Start showing the movies of the people who plan to beat them over the head. Let's see what that does. Um, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, Marissa? Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Christopher. I think that's so, yeah, I would love to see that as well. Um, as an actor, I don't want to be told that I'm not enough of something that I am, you know, and, um, I'm also Middle Eastern. My dad's from Iran and I'm white presenting and absolutely have all the white privilege that comes with that. But I also might like to be seen sometimes as a character who is what mm -hmm. I am, because it's true that some Middle Easterners have pale skin and have blue eyes. That happens that that's, you know, um, there are bisexual folks, femme folks with, with long hair. I mean, my God, what a, what a strange concept. And to, to be looked, you know, to have my headshot looked at for two seconds and to not be called in for a part because I quote unquote, don't look it. And I've lived that life of being queer. And, and I, I think that's, that's very hurtful. And I, I know that there's two sides to that because we should absolutely have um, we should have representation that shows, you know, the, the truth of marginalized experiences. And if I am quite straight passing or functioning or whatever word we want to use, then I don't want to take away from that. And I don't want to um, not say that that is true. But I also don't want to be told, you know, you can never play queer because we, the casting folks, the producers, whoever, don't see you as that. And that hurts because like Christopher was saying, then you see, you know, a, a straight person and a role, <laughs> you know, that and, and that's that's problematic. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I think I would like to see that shift a little bit. It's, it's especially frustrating as well um, when it comes to, like you said, um, because of your of your um, because you're biracial. Similarly, as a Latino, both my parents are from the same country, but my mom is of a more indigenous background. My dad is European. That's pretty much all of Central and South America. That's the case. Um, and it is frustrating to rarely get called in for um, Latino characters uh, unless they happen to be like an immigrant who barely speaks English or a drug lord or a drug dealer. And look, let's face it, no one's going to cast me as a drug lord. Um, but, you know, it's just it's similarly, it's very frustrating um, to not very often get called in for queer characters because I'm straight passing or again whatever word we decide to use um when in reality that's something that i battled so much through my whole life i didn't come out publicly until i was 25 it was a very very late in my life that 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 happened and still be like well i'm out now i am i'm owning it i'm owning who i am i'm owning my identity and to still be told like oh well you're still not quite quite there um you know it's just it can be very frustrating um but uh to wrap up i just wanted to uh go to our last question uh what advice would you share with your 13 year old self 13 year old me was 
in a, I think at 13 was probably like 13, 14 was probably like the worst years of my life, honestly. Just the, the bullying and um, to be transparent, like the two bashings that I went through. Um, uh, well, 13 year old AJ, hey girl. <laughs> honestly all I can would say to them is to just literally keep doing what you're doing because I am so proud of where I am now um that all of the internal and drama that I went through and all of the like fighting with myself that I went through ended up with me being in a place that I really like <laughs> Um, there were so many times that I, you know, begged my parents that I wanted to move to a different place that I wanted. I tried running away so many times. Um, and I don't know. Um, keep it up, AJ. Um, keep being yourself. That was still something that I, that I did, even when people were so terrible to me, I kind of, uh, couldn't not be myself. So um, I would say to 13 year old AJ, good luck. You got this <laughs> and keep staying uh, strong, honey. Uh, Stacy, I'd probably say, I know you kind of feel like a weirdo. <laughs> you don't feel like you don't fit in. You feel like you don't, you don't really know what's going on right now. And you'll, you know, realize more things about yourself down the line, but along the way, believe in yourself, uh, keep going, trust and believe that there are people out there who are going to celebrate you and love you for who and how you are. And you don't have to try to be something that you aren't celebrate what you are. Uh, Christopher. Yeah. I'd say to 13 year old Christopher to find, find the people who are safe for you because they were there. Um, you were just a little too afraid to go forth. Um, and a lot of things would have been a little different. Uh, had I just allowed people who were safe at that time to be safe for me um, and to reclaim what your blackness is. Um, I was told that through the entirety of my 13th year, I was either not black enough for the black people or not anything else for anybody else. Um, and had I reclaimed that a little sooner, I think some other things as far as how I love myself would have been different. Um, similarly, went, uh, I still go through something um, very similar uh, in respect to my biracialness, either being too ethnic to play white and not, and, and too white to play ethnic. So I, I, I totally feel what you're saying there. Um, and I couldn't tell you how much of a relief it was when I was little hearing when Ricky Martin came out because, oh, finally, there's like a mainstream Latino who's out of the closet. And of course, growing up in a religious household, it was like, oh, God, you know, it's like, okay, relax, guys. Let's let him be. Uh, and Marissa, what would you say to your 13 year old self? I would just tell them to trust, tr trust yourself. You're enough. Listen to the voice inside of you. That's your North Star. You know, keep going. 
And that's it for this week's episode of Actors with Issues. A massive thank you to our wonderful guests, Marissa Gavami, Christopher Henry Young, Stacey Raymond, and AJ Blankenship. Another big thank you to our sponsor, Anchor, for supporting the show. You can head on over to anchor.fm to get started on your very own podcast, 100% free. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, and you can catch new episodes every Friday on all podcasting platforms. I'm Juan Yala, this is Actors with Issues, and we'll see you next week.